Design Talk with your host, Bethany James Said. Ever wondered the story behind the design industry leaders who have made it to the top? There's always a story behind a tall poppy. I'm Bethany James, founder of luxury retailer James Said, and I'm here to discover the stories behind the people who have made it to the top of the design world. There's nothing I like more than meeting other entrepreneurial women. So I'm super excited today to be able to introduce you to Dita Papafodiou from the fashion label Dita. If you're from Melbourne, you'll already know Dita because her stores rub shoulders with her other favourite brands, Camilla Remarque and Scanlon Theodore. She sits side by side. If you're not from Melbourne, this is definitely a brand that you want to discover. It's become a favourite of mine. I love how I can wear it to the office oh, and then gorgeous. I can wear it out. Uh, the cuts are so flattering and I love the fact that it's all made here locally. So happy and excited to be chatting with Dita today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Bethany. Um, I'm really excited as well. So this is my first podcast. So um, it's really great that you invited me along um, just to interview me and and hear about my story. Um, And I just think it's a perfect time um, just to sort of talk about Australian designers and and what they're doing and um, just to sort of hear our voice. So um, thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, having a fashion label is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And you're the creative director, the founder, the driving force. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be able to share with everyone listening today about the journey it took for you to actually get to where you are today. So let's go back to when you were a teenager. Were you a fashionista? Absolutely not. Um, It's really hard to believe, but I was actually quite an introvert um, at high school. I guess sort of when you're sort of at the age of 14 and 15 and 16, uh, it's really hard to make a decision about where you want to go and what you want to do. Uh, Initially, um, my mother was was in accounting and sort of done a bit of business, so I thought maybe I'd follow her footsteps and uh, study business in university. Um, And what happened was I got into a uh, course at university after sort of uh, in VCE and started to realise that it kind of wasn't what I wanted to do. And that was through experience of uh, working at retail. So my first job was at Cook Eye on okay. Collins Street. Yeah. So I started to realise that I loved playing with clothes. I had an interest. Uh, I ended up being their best performing sales casual yeah. uh, assistant uh, at the age of 18 and 19 and uh, realised I wasn't on the right journey um, when I was studying business. But what a great foundation for you to actually go into fashion is the fact that you studied business. Exactly. So it didn't make me realise until probably when I did start my business that it was a good foundation. And I think... um, because I just didn't want to be a designer, I wanted to own my business and I also wanted to run it and not just design. They were great foundations that I've been able to bring into later years in my career. Um, but how, when did you actually discover that that's, having your own label was something that you wanted to do? So at the moment, you're just, you're studying business. Exactly, You're working yes. at Kukai. Yes. Very cool first job, by the way. Yes, it yeah, was. I was, was making was, hamburgers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Well... Well, before, well, when I was at, that wasn't actually my first, first job. My parents, uh, my, even though my mum was an accountant, my parents uh, ran a cafe. So when I was 15, 16, uh, just like yourself, I was washing dishes and packing up tables, uh, trying to earn every single dollar. But it was probably an amazing foundation for me because I was able to 
Um, I had the ability to know how to socialise and interact with people Mm -hmm. and that was really important. So my social skills were really good at a very young age and I think that's what allowed me to perform really well when my parents sold their business and I got my first job um, in retail. So I had already developed the communication skills and the confidence having worked at a cafe and having been around so many people. So that really even gave me the opportunity to excel earlier um, in my career and it's working in a cafe and like you said flipping burgers is hard work yeah so when I was working in retail I'm looking at these girls going this is easy like (laughs) it's much more fun yeah Yeah. exactly this is easy you don't have to wash dishes pack tables mop the floor or wear crappy clothes so I was like living the dream um and hence why I just kept wanting to put so much more effort in um so yeah so that was definitely the first um job when I was work and I, and I did that while I was at high school so yeah. there were no school there was no school holidays it was working at the cafe friday nights and on weekends so um I didn't really have much of a sort of a sort of teenage life where we were able to sort of do a lot of things like go away on holidays but I it really I think, um, gave me the foundation to work really hard and understanding that... It gave you your work ethic. Exactly. Absolutely. And I thank them every day for it. As much as I hated it back then, Mm. um, I look back and I think to myself, I really had a good understanding of if you want something and you want money and you really want nice things, you have to work for it. And that was what they they instilled instilled in me from a very young age. You just can't... We're not just going to give you the money for it. Is that what you want? Okay, well, you'll have to work Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll give you your pocket money and you can have those, yeah, you know. And back in the day, those satch jeans, that was really popular. I'm like, I want, want a pair of satch jeans or, yeah. you know. <laughs> so you're at uni, you're studying at Kukai. Mm-hmm. So you realise that I'm, in the, I'm studying the wrong thing. I love fashion. So what was the next thing? Did you start looking for a more permanent job in fashion? Yes, yeah, so um, it's really interesting. I... I had a year left to finish my business degree and um, I, had a, I had to sit down, had a discussion with my parents and I said to them, look, I think I'm not going to finish the degree and I want to go and study fashion. And they were like totally against it. They were like, you've got one year to go. Um, we really, You should really finish it and then go study fashion afterwards because you've almost got a year left. This is probably going to be something that it's an addition and it's going to assist you in getting a job in your career. Makes logical sense. Did yes. you do it? I did do it. Oh, I did follow what they said. <laughs> I'm thanking them now for it. So yeah. I finished my, um, I actually did an international trade and marketing degree and wow. so in, in bachelor, with Bachelor of Business. So I finished that and then what I did was I started looking for work experience in uh, fashion retailers as soon as I finished university. So I was very lucky. I got an internship at Sports Girl and I was like working full days and it was no pay. And then I was very fortunate uh, because of how I performed. The buying manager um, back then, uh, Al McLaughlin, who I think is now CEO of Country Road, she um, put me in contact with a fashion house that they work with a supplier and said there's a position going an assistant role going I think you should go for it how long did you work for free oh it was probably a good it wasn't too long it was like a good sort of three weeks so it was like it was like it's it's a short stint so I was very lucky so I thought I've got to keep doing this to try and get my um foot in the door yeah um and that made me realize I really wanted to do this I was so excited and I didn't care I was happy to work for free for like another month exactly so I had an interview with this supplier and they're not around, unfortunately, not now, just with, due to the changes that have happened. It's called SNR Fashions. 
and I got the, it was pretty much the lowest of the lowest job. My, I think my pay was $30,000. I don't even know how I made, how I made it through uh, every week. And um, what happened was I then applied for night school to study at RMIT fashion. Okay. So I was working as a very sort of low, very assistant role um, in SNL fashions and I studied at night. So I finished my studies in two years and then I got poached for an opportunity to, uh, for a trainee buying role at Forever New. So when you were studying fashion, were you learning um, about how to create fashion? Were you learning how to sew? What, what were you studying? Yeah, so, there was, so with the course that I had chosen, um, I, really, I wasn't really wanting to learn how to sew. It was probably more so that... So this, Fashion has sort of a lot of elements of it and you have to have a specialised feel. So you can either be a someone who's a sewer, someone who's a pattern maker, which is makes the actual pattern. You can be a designer. Mm-hmm. You can be a buyer, so someone who buys into already designed goods. Yeah. From uh, like, and people like that are like people who work for David Jones. So they'll buy brands and they'll select what they want from them. So... I was very lucky because I had studied Bachelor of Business, I got exempted for 50% of the subjects because I had studied a degree. So all the business side, the marketing and the economic side, I was fully exempted, which was great. So I wanted to specifically look into design, fabric knowledge and buying. So that was really great. So I studied those and um, uh, have received like an acknowledgement that I've studied at RMIT and I've done all these subjects. And then... That was fantastic. I'd already so the good thing was I'd gained my experience at a fashion house, and I studied um, at night with a bachelor of business behind me. Great foundation. Yeah. So yeah. then that gave me um, uh, that. Well, that gave me the opportunity to apply for then other roles. So I'd sort of done my experience, and it was really hard. It was being a, an assistant. I, I thought I was going to be designing and doing all these great things, but I wasn't. I was buying coffees. I was arranging meetings, I was cleaning up after them, I was photocopying, and that was for a good year. So I think it's, for me, no one ever tells you that. You tend to think that you're going to be designing and sketching and doing all these things, but you don't. And I think it's kind of, it's almost like an initiation for when you get into the fashion industry. They just want to see how how hard you're going to work and how long you'll stay in there, because it is a really competitive industry. So... Mm. That's, that was probably the start of where I sort of in my career. And um, then I got an opportunity for a trainee buying role. But with the business I was working with, it's set up like the UK. It's very rare. Not any other business, retail businesses set up like that where they have designers, product developers and buyers and planners. And I got a trainee buying role, but I was actually able to um, work on producing the product and then I would, was able, and then I bought into it as well. And then I had a planner. So I was able to get the design and the business side together, which is what I always wanted. I just didn't want to just purely design. I love business. I, um, you know, figures get me excited and, and um, I've always wanted to. That's unusual. Yes, it it's is. It's unusual for someone who is creative uh, to be interested in the other side of business as well. Yes. Um, for me, that's something I really had to learn because that was something I really didn't want to know about. Now mm. I want to know all about it. Yes. So the fact that you're interested in both is a pretty dangerous yes, combination. Yes, yes. Yes. So and it's and it's interesting you say that because what I realised was it's okay to be able to do that when you work for a big business and you've got so many resources, but it's mm-hmm. difficult to do when you own your own business. Yes. 
And I probably didn't realise that I couldn't do everything when I started my own business because I didn't have the resources that I did working for someone else's multi-million dollar business and you've got... That large team of exactly, all Exactly, large team. You've got on. one person for PR, one person for yeah. marketing, one person doing your, you know, your, your tech packs, you've got a pattern maker, you've got a machinist. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can concentrate and sit in there and doing all the things that you want to do. But when you start your business, it's, I'm 20 people. But you've got to do it that way around because yes. you wouldn't know when you started your own business that there were so many different experts and so many different correct. fields that it takes yes, to actually correct, bring the whole thing correct, together. Correct, yeah. and, um, Great platform to learn from. Yes, and it did because I was able to learn from ex- experts. Mm-hmm. So they weren't a jack of, jack, and all, like jack of all trades. They were experts in their field. So when I was, you know, when we were designing a jacket and I'd done some crazy lapel and uh, was working with the pattern maker and she's like, oh, Dimitri, you need to come see me. This is not possible. And I'd be like, Why? And then I'd have the machinist and the pattern makers sitting and going through with me why they couldn't do what I wanted to do, but right. showing me how they could achieve it. So, And now you know that. So oh, when you're absolutely. designing something, you think, no, I can't do that because I have this absolutely, effect on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, probably what I, what I didn't realise was the foundation and the experience that I um, built working for other businesses allowed me to do what I needed to do. I don't think I would have been able to start up my business and potentially pass 12 months of it if I hadn't had 12 years of industry experience. So because 12 very, years is a long time yes. to spend working for, other, for yes. other people. Did you always have in your mind that you wanted to have your... Was, was having your own fashion label always the end goal? Yes. Well, I wanted to do it a lot earlier on in my career. Mm-hmm. And again... Um, I'm very thankful. My, I had a conversation with my parents and I said to them, look, this is what I want to do. And, and you know, it's, they, they were nervous for me because they were like, wow, this is, this is a lot of money and, and it's, this, it's very competitive out there and, and look who you're against. And they recommended that I go get experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was going to make mistakes, I'd be making mistakes and I'd be learning some in other businesses. Yeah. Um, and that, because I said, regardless of what's going to happen, you're still going to make mistakes, but you'll make less of them. And you're going to be able to go in and start and have experience. So I probably sh- would have liked to have started at my label probably earlier on, but I guess I got... Um, it was very exciting. I was doing really well. I ended up being creative director of Atlanta Hill. So I think I had this career That's sort of, I worked job. my way up and I kind of lost track of what I wanted to do because when you sort of become very successful, I think, you know, the money and, um, you know, having full control, all that stuff starts to sort of, you start to forget about other things yeah. behind you. And, yeah. um, I think it was probably my last stint that I was like, do you know what? This is something I want to do. And I was, I was just trying to think how old I was now. I was just, I was just trying to work out. It's probably about a good, well, the business has been four years. So it would have been five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to think about it and I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it now. Yeah. And because it's going to take a good four to five years till the business gets momentum and also am I going to have the energy to do it am I going to have the patience going to be long long hours and it's going to be my life so but I always had a fear of you know not succeeding Mm -hmm. or so it felt safer to be in these other fantastic jobs you're getting paid well you're successful exactly you're living a great lifestyle I had a few properties I'm thinking to myself why would I 
go yeah. and risk all this. Yes. It's just sounds really, it actually sounds really crazy to be but honest. Also, you know, when you go out on your own too, you've got the safety net of being successful for other people. When you actually go out on your own, it's mm. all you. I mean, you're really rolling the dice on yourself. Yes, exactly. It's, you know, you've got to be brave. Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, probably the one thing I didn't realise, Bethany, was I didn't realise that when I did start my label mm -hmm. that even though I was working for these other people, I was successful, but I was behind the scenes. No one knew who I was. Mm -hmm. So I had 12 years of experience, but no one knew who Dita was. I was the face behind every brand. The name was taking, you know, all the... Um, getting all the... Uh, credibility. Credibility, sorry. Yeah. Lost. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and it was almost like I had to start again because I was like, well, what do you mean you don't know who I am, why I've been doing this? And like, well, they don't care. You're, you're a new label now. Like, what have you done? And Starting it was... from scratch. And it probably that was the hardest thing to understand because you just assume because you've got all this experience mm -hmm. that you're just going to be successful, but it's not. So... Well, the question I think for hundreds of budding uh, fashion designers out there, how do you start your own fashion label? Like, what's the first thing that you do? I have to do a business plan. Yes. <laughs> and I'd probably recommend that a business plan, you cannot do it uh, while you're working with at another business. Um, a lot of people think that a business plan takes, uh, you can do it while you're, you know, working or with your if you've got a career in fashion, yeah. it actually took me three months full-time. That's a hell of a business yes. plan. Yes, wow. so three months full-time working on a business plan and you have to really look, there's different business plans that are sort of are related to retail or where it's technology and you have to specifically get a template that's relevant for your business. So there are things like looking at your competitors and when you're doing that, you have to go, you have to research your competitors, you have to look about their store, you have to look at their price pointing. And I developed this business plan and it was it took me a really long time. So that was research. See, that surprises me because I think the first thing you would do is work on the designs of the fashion. No. Yeah. So I first had to work out what this was going to cost me, uh -huh. um, which was pretty crazy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. So I just kept fudging the figures as I was going because I don't have a million dollars to start this business. But realistically, that's what I needed. Is that what it costs to start a fashion label? Uh, it costs a million dollars if you want to start it, what I'm talking about, to start and have a, a retail store. And you've got to think about you've got to have the bank guarantee, which is three months rent up front. You've got to have... Um, money aside for your stock and it has to be up to six months worth of stock ready to go because you're not going to have any cash flow in your business. So straight off you went straight in and had a retail store when you launched? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Um, and the reason why a lot of people tend to want it wholesale mm -hmm. first off, for me that wasn't the business model I wanted. I wanted to be a retailer. That was my experience. Um, you make a lot more margin. Your brand is exposed a lot more uh, quicker. There yeah. are brands here in, in Australia, in Melbourne, who were wholesalers. And I, I can name a few of them. There's Camilla and Mark, Beckham Bridge. And it took them a good 10 years in wholesaling to other retailers and boutiques until then they can open their bricks and mortar. Okay. And unfortunately you become a slave to those people having to purchase your product and you can also compromise your designs because then they dictate to you, oh, I want this, or oh, I want that, or okay. oh, can you change the colour on that? And you can kind of, you're really um, dictated by them and it, 
I didn't want to do that. I thought if I'm going to do this and, and invest my money in it, I want to do what I want to do. that because you'd spent 12 yes. years working it, for other people. And that's exactly right. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known it. Someone would have said to me, oh, you should do wholesale. Yes, yeah, so it would have been and a safer way to start. Exactly. Um, but I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to go in. You're all in. I'm all yeah, in. You're I'm all like, in. I'm yeah. all in. If I'm going to do this, I'm all in. I don't, you know, I don't have time for all the other well, stuff. Well, that's why you're successful because this is everything. Yeah. So, okay, you need a million dollars to start. How did you get a million dollars? Well, I didn't get a million dollars. So that's what I should have started with. Yeah. Um, and pretty much I probably started with a good half a million. Okay. And I sold everything I owned. Okay. I sold everything I owned and I I went and saw the ANZ mm-hmm. and I did a full on, um, I had a proposal for them mm-hmm. and I sat down and I took them through it. Wow. So, and it was really hard because I was showing them a business plan and, and they said it was one of the best business plans they ever received. Amazing. Which was great. And then I had sketches of designs. So they're looking at me going, okay, we've got this woman She's been in the industry for this long. Are we going to support this, you know, entrepreneurial woman? So I had a, got a percentage from from the bank, mm-hmm. and then I sold off whatever I had. So, so you've left. You've you've got it all on the line. It's you've gone. worked all your life. Yeah. You've been really successful. You've been smart with your money. You've invested in property, and now you've sold everything and yes. put it all into this label. Yes, amazing. I oh, know it was really yeah. scary though. So it has to work. <laughs> you have no choice now. Yeah, no, this exactly. This has to be exactly. successful. Exactly. Exactly. So and there was. There was just, just just to point out, though, that you yeah. went to the ANZ, I think a lot of people with start-up businesses, they, they don't consider going to the banks. They think that they have to go and find investors and things like that. The Commonwealth Bank backed me up. So I, I think to... to um, entrepreneurs out there is to not discount the, the no. big banks because they are there to support and absolutely um, yeah absolutely I had the same experience yeah absolutely and you know and I think for them for them it was something different because you know with technology and all these other things are, are so much more safer yes but I guess I I think I sort of when I had um presented it to them yep. I said to them look at my CV mm-hmm. look at what I've done yeah I know right now I can't this is not showing you any sales or anything, but all you've got to go on is me. Yeah. You're feeling on me and what I've done in the past. So And a comprehensive business plan that you spent three months preparing. Exactly. So you didn't just go there on a dream. You no. went there with fact. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we're not talking about the business plan. Like I was sitting um, out at cafes watching foot traffic to try to work out where I was going to open up my first. So like that's what I was doing for a whole day and then wow. going back another week and working out. Um, so then the business was started. Yeah. Which was pretty crazy. And So the name Dita. Yes. Why did you pick Dita? Well, so my uh, name originated, uh, which I was christened and born with, so mm-hmm. I'm Greek, and it was Demetra. And when I was growing up, um, my nieces and nephews couldn't say my name. So Dita came out. And then all of a sudden, I lost Demetria. (laughs) That fell off. And then everyone started calling me Dita. And it stuck. And I thought to myself, well, I kind of felt like it was an affectionate name. And it was the name that I felt really close to. And the people who loved me would call me that. And then obviously close friends over the time, then they would sort of catch on and go, oh, your family's calling you this or what's that? And I'd be like, oh, it's, it's an affectionate name, um, like a nickname that my family calls me. And then it sort of stuck. And I thought to myself, I found it, it was really catchy. 
I found like it looked great, you know, in sort of design and graphics. And I thought, this is really good. It's not hard to forget. And did you decide on that when you were still working for other people that, you know, I want to have my own fashion yes, brand and this is it's what funny. it's going to be yes, called? Yes, I did. Yeah. And I know... It was always in the back of my mind yeah. and I thought, what would I call it? And I thought, this is it. This is, it's, it's, and it's interesting because a lot of people would not think or associate that as being my name, but it actually is. Yeah. I love so, that. um, yeah, so that's, that's really, um, so I, and I feel like that's caught on really well as well. It's easy to write. It's easy yeah. for people to remember. Yeah, it's catchy. It's catchy. Yeah. Um, so, and it was, it was really great to sort of, and, and as a design and a logo, it just worked. It just flowed. Yeah. It's meant to be. Yeah. So what do you do next? You've secured some capital. What's the next step? Oh, so the next step was then to stuff. So then I, um, thought to myself, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get some mentors. I think it's really important. And my advice is to um, look at ha- uh, having mentors mm-hmm. because when you can go through moments where you're always second guessing yourself so many times, so many times. So, um, so you even thought that uh, after 12 years, you know, having such a successful career, you even felt when you were opening your own label that you needed mentors. Yes. What sort of, when you were looking for, for mentors, what sort of areas were you looking for uh, wisdom? Well, it's, it's really interesting. People would think that I would look at people in retail and fashion but I didn't because I was like I know fashion and I retail the last thing I need is having someone tell me what I should design or what I should do because I was like this is the first time I'm going to be able to do what I want to do Mm -hmm. Um, and my whole career I'd been dictated to design this or I don't like this or I don't like that so I was like right so I need people who are very successful in business I've got to find a shop Mm -hmm. I've got to work with the banks I've got to do all this. And that's the area I don't know. Yes. So I need a mentor who can assist me, who knows how to run a business mm-hmm. um, because I know all the fashion stuff. So um, it just happened. So my one of my first uh, mentors, and I know you know him quite well, which is Hattam, mm-hmm. um, Hattam Sully. So he's the CEO of um, Atlantic Group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happened to meet him through, one of, through my brother-in-law and we had a chit-chat. And I was like, I'm starting a business I really feel like, I know you've been in business for 25 years. There are a lot of things that you could assist me in. Would you accept to be my mentor? And he was like, absolutely. And it was great for him because he was able to think to understand about fashion or get into it. He also learned along the journey. So it was really yeah. great that it was, we were both getting something it's out of it. It's priceless to find someone that you can bounce the ball with and they can bounce it back with value added. Exactly. I crave that. And yeah. it can be hard to find sometimes. It yeah. can be really lonely having your own business. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And things like, I was like, leases. Oh. Yeah. I'd never um, experienced, I wouldn't even know how to, how to look at it. All or... of my first leases, I overpaid and didn't negotiate hard enough. I just didn't know. Exactly. Yeah. And... Look, there was a lot of uh, mistakes I did make, but it was every time I talked to someone, they're like, I've been there, done that. And, and yeah. unfortunately, it's things like um, IT. We all spend way too much money on, t- on yeah. IT, you know, online store and all this stuff like that. So there was lots of money lost through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, it's the nature of the business. And I probably didn't plan for those things. I just kind of thought to myself, this will be easy, even though I'll plan, it's going to cost me 20 grand for an online store and get all the product up and all that stuff. It didn't 
because unfortunately you have people along the along the journey who probably aren't as honest as what you expect them to be. Yeah. And like, oh, we need to finish this. It's going to take another $10,000 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, because I didn't know. Yeah. So um, you have to, there has to be extra money put aside. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't have it. So you know what? You just hustle and you hustle through it and you just make it happen and you beg, borrow and steal. That's what I say. You just make it happen and just hope that, you know, um, when as soon as you think that there's there's nothing in the bank account, something happens. All of a sudden you get this sale. Yeah. And then that gets you through another day or another week, another, you know, another few months. But um, it's, you have to be willing. And I like to say you can't be a princess. Yeah. Um, I worked the shop floor. Mm-hmm. I was doing photo shoots. I was running around in my car, picking up samples. I was designing. I was doing all these things and it was exhausting. But I was like, if it was easy, everyone could do it. Yeah. I, I almost, when things get really, really hard for me, like really hard and, um, you know, go when it, the, diff, the difficult little yeah. stints that you have where it goes yeah. on for months and months and yes. you're, you're laying at night and you haven't slept properly in, in, oh. in months and you've got heart palpitations yes. at night and yeah. all that kind yeah. of stress and when it gets really really hard and you just have to dig deeper I do I, I, I think catch me if you can now bitches because like yeah, the, exactly. the, the harder it is I just think the harder it is for everybody else and I think to myself these are the moments when people quit Exactly. These are the moments when other people, you know, don't continue. And this is the difference mm, between being exactly. successful and not successful. So talk to me about those moments. Those what, were, what, were the, what were the speed bumps that you hit that well, could have knocked you off? Probably the one thing was um, I chose to manufacture locally. Okay. And that costs a lot more money. Okay. So we're talking about three times the amount of making in China. Um, so... So your margins are lower? Yes. Okay. But I chose, I could have increased my retail prices, but I was like, no, I'm a new brand. I can't have these crazy retail prices. They were still sort of high and sitting in line with my competitors, just a bit lower because I was a new kid on the block. Yeah. So I had to be very careful. And I had everyone, uh, people in retail um, saying to me, oh, you need to go offshore. You need to have better margins. But I'm like, everyone's offshore. Everyone's making in China. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I want to love it. I want to be passionate about every single part of the business that I'm doing. I want to be proud of saying this is made in Melbourne and all our stuff is made in Melbourne, 100% of our product. I wanted to be proud about every single piece of that garment from, you know, from stitch to store. And it only was, a founder, though, would have that kind of passion. That's exactly Because exact, exact, you're so personally connected to it. So, right. you know, I'm a perfectionist in everything that I yes. do and it drives everybody else crazy, but it's my brand, it's my yep. name. And so, um, and that's exactly what you're yeah. talking about. And yeah. it was hard because, you know, that costs a lot of money, but I was like, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. Things are going to change. People are going to start really thinking about what they're wearing, um, where it's coming from, the story behind it. And if I'm going to do this, everyone else is doing the same stuff. So what's so different about Dita? Like, yeah. why do people want to purchase it? Why are they going to, you know, purchase my brand compared to someone else? Or what's the difference? And, you know, using natural fibres. Um, and, you know, and it's funny, I had a woman actually, uh, yesterday come into Armadale and she was like, wow, what a great jacket. And she goes, wow, this fits so nice. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls goes, oh, it's made here in Melbourne. She goes, literally half an hour away and the woman's gone I can't believe it and it was she purchased it straight away 
because even though she loved the way it fit, I think she was like connected to it at a different level because yes. she was proud to wear it. Yeah. And proud that if someone asked her, where did you get it or whatever. So I think people now, if they're going to be spending their money, they want to know that they're getting a bit more for it as well. So even though people's mentality wasn't like that back then, and I think um, everyone changes as you get older as well, you kind of want to be affiliated with beautiful things and you want to know who's, who's, who's designing and who's a part of the brand like yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And it, that took a long time to sort of leverage off that because in the beginning I hadn't because... You know, I had people doing things offshore and, and using cheaper fabrics and having better buying power than what I did. Like, you know, um, you know, I was making 10 pieces of something. And so you imagine your surcharges and stuff, and that was the hardest. You got a surcharge on everything. So you, so you start, you, you put together your first capsule range mm-hmm. and you straight away opened your first retail store. Yes. Was it successful straight away? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. Yeah. Um, and realistically, no, well, no, because everyone, like I said, I was the new kid on the block. Yeah. I hadn't had gained any... Did you get any... paid in the first year? No. Yeah. A- absolutely not. I was, just digging, I was just digging into every single, like, the few, the bit of what I'd left over from what I'd sold and living on that. Um, and at one stage, which is really crazy, um, I couldn't even afford to pay for rent. I had to go live with my sister. Like that. Yeah, and you've gone from being super successful, yes. uh, owning several properties, and yes. now you can't even afford your own rent. Yes, exactly. Yes. So at that stage, that's the grit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? Mm. I'm in my mid thirties, and I'm going to move in with my sister. Yes, <laughs> you've laid I'm it going, all on the line. Have I really made the right decision? So, <laughs> what was the turning point? How 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 did you start to gain some traction? Um, well, I started to gain some traction when I started to get some probably influential women and mm-hmm. people who started to acknowledge and love the story of the brand. Yes. Um, so they were either coming into the store, um, I started getting people interested in who is this brand, what is she about? And then the whole Made in Melbourne locally started to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to register and to get into runway and then I had my first runway at Virgin Fashion Festival. Okay. So, and that was really hard. So, again, they knew who I was behind the other brands because I'd showcased other runways, but I was behind the brand. Yes. But it was those things that got me through the door. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if I was just a new brand for two years so and I was So, it was those connections yes. that made you could get into, which meant you could get into fashion week, yes, whereas exactly. otherwise you might not have been able to get no, your foot in the door. absolutely not. And if you're a brand that's one or two years old, it's not, you're going to probably have to wait till five or six years until you yes. get, until you get, you know, you have to get a few more strikes on, on the board yes. um, to able to do that. So I was like, right, this is it. I, can't, I have to be able to get in. I've done all these hard yards. You know who I am. You know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you have to do PR and marketing. It's really important yeah. because you need to get, you know, the brand out there. So I did a bit of, for the first six months, I invested heavily in PR and marketing as well. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and that was really good. So I got the name out there and then, started to getting, you know, a few a few sort of, you know, people wearing the product. And then all of a sudden that starts, word of mouth starts coming through um, and slowly. And uh, my experience with your brand is that you've just got to get that first garment on somebody. Exactly. Because your clothes, are, your clothes look beautiful on the racks, but they look much better on. On the body, They're yes. so beautifully cut. They're so flattering and mm. they feel great on. So I think once you've got that first garment on people, then they're going to keep coming back. Exactly. Because they're going to fall exactly. in love with the brand. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's like getting them in that change room. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? I say, yes. I say to the guys, once you've got them in the change room, that is it. Yes. <laughs> you know? Because 
getting them to sort of get out of their comfort zone or saying, I'll try this on, I'll put it on. And then once they put it on, you just see how they feel and their face. And they're like, oh, okay, great. And then they'll come back again. And then the difference is I'm like, oh, you know what? I need a cami. Great. I'll come buy it from Dita. Yes. Or I need a, a great a great suit pant. You're just or... selling quality pieces. Exactly. So they've bought something, they feel great in it. Exactly. It's, it's last, it's, it's quality. Mm. So they're going to keep investing exactly. in it. Exactly. So yeah. like you said, it's just getting them that first sale from them. And that is the hardest. And that's with anything. Yes. Um, so that was, that was really good. And then obviously over time, I, I guess probably I really only felt momentum in the business probably at your two-year two Okay. Um, and it is hard because what happens is, um, and I'm sure you probably would have experienced the same thing, Bethany, is that even though you open your retail store, um, Dita had only been around, like, I'd just come out, new brand, open up a retail store, wow, like, done it as it's first off. Yes. Um, your rent's coming through, but you're not making the sales you need to mm-hmm. in order to sustain your rent. But you know that that's why I needed the million dollars. Yes. And I didn't start with the million dollars. Because, and this is what they say, is they say the majority of startup businesses, probably 80% of them in the first 12 months fail because they don't take into consideration you have no cash flow. You're not going to have any cash flow. You're not going to be making any money in the first year. So you have to pretend you're making zero. So you have to have enough or money. Losing money. Losing. Oh, yeah. And that's what I mean. You're not making it's any sales. It's normal for businesses that's to right. lose money in their first year. Exactly. Yeah. So, which is why I really need the million dollars. Because that needed to take me through for two years to, until I got brand exposure. Yeah. But I didn't. So I thought, I'm not going to get a million dollars. I can only get half a million through going for a business loan and... and you know, thankfully, ANZ saw something in me and they, uh, you know, um, assisted and were a part of this great journey. And then having sold, sold off my property, I was like, this is all I can get together. Mm-hmm. I've just got to do it. And then when you're halfway through it, I say to myself, well, I've got nothing now. I may as well just keep going. Yes. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Well, you're so invested. You're so invested. Yes. You're just like, ah, oh, I just... I have to make this work. Well, it also becomes your child. It's something yes. that you just put. So, you're so personally attached to it. It's it's it, yeah. You 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 yeah. You you find you find the grit to keep going. So you started to get some momentum. You got into Fashion Week, which is huge. Yes. And so basically, going into year three now, you're starting to get some momentum. Yes. Yeah. So that was great, and then that created more exposure. Yes. And then we started realizing. I thought, right now, I need to re- reduce my surcharges. In order to do that, I needed to look at producing more items. So okay. whether it was doubles, I'm like, I can't do 15, I need to do 30 pieces. So you start losing You're your surcharges. expanding surgery. the range. Yes. Okay. And in order to do, do that... What you mean you had to lose your surcharges? What does that mean? Um, so what happens is when you... Um, so, for example, with the jacket I'm wearing... Yeah. So there would... I'm just throwing out a figure here. No, yeah. Not that it's right. It cost me $50 for a make. Okay. So my makers would say to me, Right, Demetria, if you make a minimum of 30 pieces, it's $50. But if you make under that, I'm going to give you a 20% surcharge. So 20% on top of that, adding it to the cost. Oh, the margins are going to improve. Okay. Right. So right. you go, right. So now I need to get to making this. So, so you're getting some volume. Yes. So in order to do that, you need to open up another outlet and you need to get more sales. Yes. So I was like, right, I need to, and I need to open another store. And I think for me, probably there was a bit of a struggle with having to do that because what happened was, unfortunately, South Yarra was going downhill. And even though I was looking at to open up into Armadale, I was going to lose that store. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really going to gain anything. I was going to lose that and only end up with one store when I really needed two stores in order to assist in 
production, also in sales, in, you know, financing staff. It helps with everything. Yes. So I then realised in order to continue on, I was just like, right, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to have to get an investor in. Okay. So you can expand and have more stores. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And if you want to do it properly, I'm like, I, I can't do this on dribs and drabs. Mm-hmm. And it's then it's going to take me another two, three years. It's going to be a really slow burn. I'm like, I've put everything in and I acknowledge that now I need some serious, you know, money in my business. Yeah. And it was like it was from the beginning. I had to sit there and I had meetings presenting. I had to sell myself so hard. I, so find, hard. I find the whole process so of trying hard. to raise capital um, oh exhausting. Oh, it was, and it was, it's such a distraction from your core business. It, so it's oh. like you, what you really need in your business is to be focusing on your business so that you can make money. But in order to go and raise more money, it's such a distraction and it exactly. costs you money because it's taking you away exactly. from what you're doing. Exactly. So yeah. that was then, and that was at the, a good, um, about two and a half year mark. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, South Yarra, trade started going down. And I said, it was just foot traffic. It was just the whole area. They started yeah. doing construction. It was a gridlock. You couldn't get in to, into Chapel Street or Turak yeah. Road. Yeah. Um, things were taking light, longer, permits were happening. I'm like, right, this is, this is going to end up being a disaster and it's going to kill my business. Um, and so you want to relocate that store to Armadale and, open and a, you want a second yes, one. I know it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> like the sky's the limit. I thought if I'm going to go, I'm going to go hard. Yeah, And I absolutely. thought, right, this is what I need. And, and this time well, I was Well, you were like, never intending to play. No. This was always serious. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, you didn't no. sell everything no. and put everything no, and, that's and, right. and, and go into exactly. all that debt Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you just have to. So I was like, right, I need to. And I had, I can't tell you. I had a good 10 to 15 meetings of just, and that exhaustion. So it was easy with the ANZ the first time round. Yes. Yeah. Ex- mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah, I've got to, I've, I've to say, well, you give me your money. Yeah. <laughs> I found it exhausting. So when I went to raise capital, when I did this Armadale store, I, I found the whole thing completely exhausted. But, and I ended up with the Commonwealth. And I found that was so much easier. Yeah. But I never went to them, first of all, because I thought, I would, you know, I, could, I couldn't possibly go to the banks. Yeah. But I could. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and I guess, and what was great over time, it would have been a lot easier too because you already had an establishment that seen your sales, you'd created, yes. you had figures, you had history. And you know what things with the bank is when you borrow money from the bank, the business is still yours and you have complete ownership and freedom. When you take on capital from investors, you've then got other people's personalities and opinions that you need to deal with. So you you open yourself up to a whole different set of problems. Exactly. So... But you've got to do what you've got to do. Exactly. And I was like, it's a do or die. (laughs) Exactly. So I was like, right, so this is what I need to do to get to the next level. Yeah. Now, the brand's great, we've got some momentum, but we're going to die. Yes. Yeah? So I'm like, I need to keep this alive. You need to keep growing. Yeah. So... I was just like, right, so this is what I need to in do. In that, though, all of our favourite brands that you're sitting side by side, when you look into them, they've been going for a long time, like a decade plus. Exactly, so, you exactly. Know, you look at Scanlon, how long have they been going for? Oh, 20 years. Yeah. 20 Camilla years. Camilla and Mark Camilla, is over like 10 years. Good, over 10 years. Same with Zimmerman. Yeah, and Dita's there, four years old. I know, honey, you're just getting started. I know, exactly. You're just getting warmed I know, up. I know, yeah, I know. how exciting. I know, which is really... And they're the type of things, when I look back, when I'm really hard on myself and... You know, because I expected so much more because I've had, you know, I, from what I'd come from and, and you know, also going, oh, I just need a break or, you know, finally getting out of my sister's house and, and I've, you know, I've been in my own place for a while now. But all those things that you strive for mm-hmm. and you work so hard and you're hustling so hard. And I, and I honestly think that when I look back and I never, I never think about how far I've come and how quickly I've done it. I'm like... 
data, look at what you've done. You've got two stores. You're only four years. I actually celebrated four years last week. Congratulations. So um, I had two stores actually at three years. Well, you've got two stores either. You've got two stores in super hot prime locations. Yes, yeah. exactly. Selling yeah. amazing clothes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was at three years. I had made Virgin Fashion Festival two years in a row in Main Runaway. So I felt at times when you feel like you're defeated and you've got, you need something to keep going, you've really got to stop and think about how much you've actually done. And this is just word of advice to yourself and to everyone, everyone else. When you feel like it's so exhausting, you can't go anymore, just have a moment and think about where you started and how far you've come. And that's just going to give you that little bit of extra fire just to get through another day. Yeah. And that's what made me get through it. It's hard as a business owner because, you know, when you're working for other people, you judge your success on the salary that you're bringing in, usually. Whereas when you are self-employed and you're building a brand, it's completely different. And so you don't have that validation with the with your pay packet. That takes time, you oh, know? And it's yeah. frustrating too because you're just kind of like, why aren't I getting paid? Yes. I'm the person doing everything. Yes. And even though you <laughs> actually are having all the success, when you do get attention for that success, which is legitimate, yes. uh, you feel like a fraud because, yes. you know, you're struggling. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and um, it was funny, I uh, was having a uh, and even though it's funny, even though things have been tough, and I always say, I just feel like now I could, uh, my head's above water, I can breathe. Yes. Because yes. of all these things. But um, I think, uh, yeah, it's just, and then having, you know, uh, present to these investors, right, this is the next step I need to make yes. for the journey. Um, that was hard. And like you said, it's the amount of time you take, your way, take yourself away from the business. Mm-hmm. It's um, mentally exhausting, very mm-hmm. stressful. Um, if there's fear yes, as well, because if I don't do this, I'm gone. So you got the investors? Yes, I did. I did. And what was great was that they um, were fantastic because they weren't in the industry. So they weren't there to tell me how to run a retail industry because I was like, I don't, that's not what I wanted. Um, So you still got that freedom. Exactly. So, but they were able to assist me in other areas that I wasn't able to. So, um, you know, they they had experience in building. So when I was doing my shop fit outs and stuff like that, they had the experience to do it. I didn't have to stress about it. So I was able to bring together a really good um, collective uh, people. And then also my family um, have been amazing I'm the youngest out of uh, five. Mm-hmm. So, and they all came on board as well and Amazing. supported me, which was really great. You. Yes, exactly. And they, and they were sort of there sort of at the start of the journey when things were really, really tough. Yeah. Um, and also, I had also some of my, fam- my family coming in, you know, days where I was exhausted and I literally couldn't, I couldn't get up out of bed because my body was just sore. Yeah. Like I'd done three months of seven days straight and I was just like, I just can't move. And I should be like, I'm going to go open up the store or whatever. Cause you know, I couldn't afford to pay someone yeah. or cause I've got to pay the makers. I've got to get the fabric from Italy. Why do I have to get fabric from Italy for? It's costing me so much money. Cause everything wanted to, I wanted to be so beautiful and so great yes. that I was just outlaying all this money, but I'm like, it's going to pay off. People are going to realize what this is about and, and, and why it's so important and the love and everything I've put into it. And to the point where um, I don't separate myself from the customer. I'm in that retail store and you know I'm there yeah. because we, yes. you, you came into that's store and that's how we met. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think it's really important as a business owner that you don't separate, that those people are supporting you. 
they deserve to have you. You should be in their presence and you should assist them where possible. And I find it really interesting. A lot of people who own businesses or are designers, they detach themselves from that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas your customer, you need to know what she wants, what she's wearing, what her feelings are. And because that's what's going to make you successful. Yeah. And being on that shop floor, even though I was there too much, but I had to do what I had to do in the beginning, yeah. um, it opened up my eyes to, was there fit issues with the product? I'm missing opportunities in this thing. But I heard it with my own ears rather than hearing it from the girls on the shop floor. Yes. So I interpreted it differently as well. Um, so, I, you know, you can't do that for the rest of your life. But I always make sure that I'm popping into both stores, whether it's for half a day, mm-hmm. you know, for each store um, now. but So what is the bulk of your day? I mean, where oh. do you spend... What area of the business do you spend most of your time now? I know it sounds... I know people... We're probably going to expect anything designing yeah. and it is not yeah it's running a business uh-huh. so I probably would say uh 20 to 30 percent designing yes and then the rest of it is running the business the business of the business is so much to I it, know I it? can't tell you yeah. I'm like emails yeah I I work <laughs> I work in my business during the day and yes. I work on my business At every night. single night um, because the business of the business yeah. is just so much exactly. to do. Exactly. A great thing that happened for my business during um, the whole COVID was that uh, it took me off the floor and it, I, it allowed me just to sit in front of my computer and look at the business. Yes. And I was able to look at, um, you know, when, when, you're, when you're running the business and you're doing everything like we are, yes. um, you know, I'd be paying bills and everything like that. And if there wasn't enough money, I think, okay, we've got to keep making more, we've got to keep making more. What I realised during COVID is that every time I was paying bills, then I was analysing, how much am I paying for electricity? How much am I doing for this? And I realised there's actually a business in saving money at the other end as well. Exactly. And that takes a lot of time. And so when you're the person like you are, um, like you are where you're doing the business as well as the design, it's hard to do it all. It is. It yeah. is really hard to do. And then it's also really hard to then switch into creative mode. Yeah. You know, someone can't say, to you, oh, okay, great. You've got to design your, your resort collection mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, I need it in, you know, two, three weeks. And you've just, I don't know, gone through with your um, bookkeeper reviewing all your insurances. So yes. you're in that headspace and then someone's yes. like, okay, can you design a dress now? And you're mm-hmm. like, um, I need to zone out. And it's not easy, but unfortunately I have to do it. Yeah. Because I don't have the pleasure of when I worked with someone else and I had two, three weeks to research, to do this or do that. Whereas I'm in bed at night and I'm flicking through or downloading runways and having a look at this or what this person's doing. I'm inspired by makeup and I'm inspired by furniture and what they're doing. Or if I jump onto US, oh, that's a gorgeous green. Wouldn't that be great in a silk dress? Or So you're doing that in the morning when you wake up and you're having your coffee. Yeah. You know, at night when you're sitting down, and I, and I hate to say, it, at the traffic lights when it's red, yes. like you know, you're just constantly researching or doing something on the call because you've just got no time to waste. So, being the uh, business owner and the founder of Dita, really, it's from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to go to sleep, yes, right? It's absolutely. a seven day thing. You're living, yes. breathing it the whole yes. time. Yeah, yes. and that's what it takes. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what separates uh, the dreamers from the doers and the people who make yeah. it and the people that exactly. don't. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's not, um, look, if you've got uh, the ability to have lots of investors on board from early stage and you can just create, then that's fantastic. Yeah. And you can create this whole big team um, and have one person managing your production, one person doing PR, one person doing all your online and all that stuff like that, then yes, that's a dream, but that's not a reality. 
I think what you're doing is far better because yeah. I can foresee your uh, your label, you know, 10 years from now and it'll be so successful because you're so smart in so many different mm. facets of your company. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, you know, I don't meet many people like you who are really savvy in business and understand that, are also really creative and oh, also you. do the grit. Mm. It's a unique combination yeah. and uh, and that's why you're successful and you yeah. have such an amazing label. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and it's things like uh, when you mentioned about COVID and stuff, like all yeah. of a sudden I was like, right, everything shut down and I'm running around, sending online orders. I'm like, this is what needs to be done. We've got to get mm-hmm. through so we're going to survive. And, you know, we've come out on the other end of it. Yeah. and Still standing. Still standing. Yeah. And what's more exciting is I'm like, oh, my God, this whole main Australia made in Melbourne, it's even stronger now. It's yes. like I stuck to my guns and this is why, like, you know, this is why because people are going to really start thinking about supporting Australian, you know, entrepreneurial entrepreneurs and in design, in fashion and people like yourself. And you just kind of go to yourself, this is what I did it for. Yeah, yeah. It's so inspiring. Yeah. I love your story. So where, where do you see the, what, how do you envision your brand, say, like oh, five years from now? Five years from now, I definitely want to have finished, open up my bricks and mortar stores across Australia. I yes. still want to definitely keep it boutique Like I'd probably just stick to having the two stores in Melbourne. Yep. Um, probably. Um, oh, so you're wanting to expand into, into Sydney? Yeah, and, so yeah. probably, you know, two stores in like sort of Sydney and, you know, one in Perth and, and one in Brisbane or Gold Coast. So, yeah. But sticking to about six Australia-wide. I don't want to expand my boutiques and have um, many um, stores across. I really want to keep it tight. And the reason being is because I don't want to lose, I don't want to, lose focus of them and then there be too many and then I can't control them and all of a sudden you have other people overseeing it and it okay. loses your touch. Yeah. Do you know dilutes what I mean? It the brand. It dilutes the brand yeah. and I don't want that. So definitely um, bricks and mortar stores here in Australia and then I definitely look at internationally um, and I'll probably look at wholesaling internationally because managing and opening stores, you'd need a massive team. So yeah. I still really want to keep it boutique because yes. I really want to offer my customers, I want them to know that they're going to the races and they're not going to have a fear of having every woman, you know, in the mum marquee, maybe wearing her dress or Which in the crown marquee. Which is a problem marquee. with some yes. of our favourite Australian labels. Yes. You always so, do, you know, you, you... Exactly. Yeah, you're worried about so that. So, if you think to yourself, and we've had women come and go, oh, great, how many stores do you have? I'm like, only two of them. Great, I'll grab the dress. Yes. Whereas there are a lot of my competitors who have got six or seven stores in Melbourne mm-hmm. and are wholesaling to David Jones and Maya, where I'm like, you can only get data from Emporium Armadale and that is it. So talk to me about the department stores because I know that you were... I did have an opportunity, yes. So I did have an opportunity to go into one of the Australian um, department stores and I guess for me um, everyone was like it's really exciting because what that does is it it gives brand exposure, Mm -hmm. you're part of lots of opportunities during fashion week and all those things, brand credit. but I think the hardest thing for me was um, when you do have these meeting with this, and then as I mentioned earlier about wholesale, yeah. is um, they love your range. They think it's great. And they're like, oh, but we kind of needed about $100 cheaper. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But then you've got to change the fabric from silk to polyester. And then I'm like, but then that's not data. Yeah, it's not going to feel the so same way. It's not going to make the customer feel the same way. Everyone wants, they want your product, but they want to be able to make sure that they make their margin, which is fair enough, because that's what we're here. They, they need to make their money because they've got costs, 
you know, there, there's office, the head offices are, you know, really big and all that stuff like that. And then in order for me to pursue this opportunity, I'd probably have to start losing my quality mm-hmm. of my product. Mm-hmm. And then I would start making design changes that was for relevant for them. Yes. And that wasn't me. So I decided, I was like, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stay true to myself and I'd rather it take me longer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why your brand will succeed. Yeah. You're smart enough to make those big, cold decisions. Yeah. Whereas everybody else would be like, oh my God, it's amazing. Here's yes. the credibility, opening order. Um, yes, yeah. yes. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's, and it's not as easy because there's, there's lots of fine print Mm-hmm. And if you don't deliver on time, this happens. Or whatever. And I've been in the, in the fashion industry now probably for 18 years. And I can tell you something. I work for the biggest companies with the biggest amount of resources and you never get a delivery on time. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm not going to get a delivery on time and, and, I, can't afford, and I can't afford to yeah. be penalised. So I already know this. Whereas these yeah. poor people who have started at these brands, they go, oh, yes, or whatever, and they go in and you just know. Like I said, we've had, I've got, you know, production. I've had production managers with five production people under them. It's like, if they can't get a delivery on time, me, that ain't happening because it's always, you, and I'm sure you would experience the same thing. Well, in, in my in my former business where I had a cosmetics company, I, I, I sold into the department stores and just when I would start to make some money, they would take it back in catalogues. So we yeah. want you to be in this catalogue. You don't yeah. pay us, we'll, we'll just take it from here. Yeah. And I, I never made any money. However, the credibility that yes. it gave the brand was priceless. Exactly. So it was definitely worthwhile. But um, yeah. And that's what you have to choose from. And I was just like, oh, this yeah. is, and I just couldn't, for me, I just could not, that would have just added another element of stress mm-hmm. on my business. Mm-hmm. And I think it could have probably, I would have been working too much concentrating on making that work than focusing on the brand and, that and the success. that wasn't going to be profitable. So you, no. sometimes you could, it's easy to be a busy fool, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been a tough but exciting. I've learnt, I, I can't tell you, I think about the, the first day I put pen to paper with that business plan and I thought to myself, looking back where I was now, I'm a completely different person. My knowledge yeah. is so much different and I really advise anyone looking to start up their business really have conversations don't be scared about asking people for advice Mm -hmm. because there could be that small thing that may save you 10 grand here or five grand here or you know and I'm sure I've made lots of costly mistakes but I could have made more if I hadn't gone out and had the experience working for other retailers and, and and people and it's just been it's been a tough journey but gosh I have learned so much and i you think about Don't the re- wisdom that you've got now. Oh. You get dangerous, you know. It's exciting. Yes, it I, is I feel exciting. And do, your brand. Yeah, and uh, like when you think about when you first started, like total rookie. Yeah. But being a rookie sometimes is 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 really cool because it's uh, uh, ignorance is bliss. You don't know what you don't know, and so therefore you're braver. So I think sometimes is, yeah. that's a good thing. <laughs> Whereas now we're kind of second guessing everything. You're just kind you're of smarter. Mm, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Oh, let me find about this and you start to, you know, question so many things rather than, you know, like you said, having that innocence. We just just go for it and let's see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what got me to where I am now. So It's the same for me. Yeah. I love your story. Thank you so much for sharing oh, it with you, us. Benny. And I know, I know um, there's so many... Um, fashionistas out there that would just love to hear what it took and and um yeah yeah thanks so much for your honesty oh, and sharing my pleasure it was it was fantastic and i enjoyed doing my first podcast with you oh <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> thank you thanks 
Don't miss out on the next episode of Design Talk. Subscribe to keep up to date.